Well, <clears throat> what are you excited about this weekend? Chiefs game. Yeah. Yes, big game. Is it a big game? It is a big game. <laughs> Wild card game. <laughs> they beat Miami. They're in the playoffs. Or they're in, they continue in the playoffs. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. We have a dynasty. How do you feel about on the that? line? Um, I think we'll win. We'll yeah, beat, we'll beat Miami for sure. You have a good feeling about it. Y- yes, I, I think. <laughs> Are I you do. reluctant to say that? No, no, no. I do have a good feeling about the Chiefs. I'm very optimistic, but I think that's irrational. Kind of irrational. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a beast in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can't really doubt him in the playoffs. I think that's objectively true. He's amazing in the playoffs, but our team. Our offense isn't stellar this year, so I think I have some like pie in the sky hopes mm. for a Super Bowl run, which is probably statistically is unlikely. They don't have a high probability of getting to the Super Bowl, but Miami, who we're playing, is very injured and they're not a cold weather team at all, and oh, it's going to be wow. one of the coldest games of all time. Oh my! Negative gosh. five degrees. That's crazy. Is that the high? No, that's the what, the game tip. The big, okay, because it's at night and okay. it's no sun. Yeah, it's gonna be so cold. That's crazy. Imagine. Do you think that's the coldest that someone like Patrick Mahomes has ever played in? I don't know. I mean, it is. It could be the coldest game for both franchises. Mm-hmm. So I think so. I mean, he was in college and he's a Texas yeah. kid. So I don't think it was <laughs> ever tech, that cold. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, for the Chiefs though, they would have some advantage. And a, they're in Kansas City right now, so they're practicing. In, in the, the colder cold. weather yeah. and also they're in Kansas city. So they're used to the cold weather, not this cold, but they yeah. would have far more familiarity with playing in the cold. And Tua, the quarterback for Miami is like notoriously terrible in the cold. I don't think he's ever really? won a game. Well, I mean, it changes like, Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, is it like physics? <laughs> what the weather affects, like how far you can throw the ball yeah. and the ground will be slippery. I mean, because and some of you, I guarantee you, like one of the offensive or D line will like have short sl- sleeves on, like they won't have long sleeves on. That's just like a like a power, like move. a taunt. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, you're cold. I don't even need sleeves. So I'm really excited about that. So that's kind of. I'm wondering what that does to the body. You know, I was shoveling snow in the cold the other day, and I'm I didn't realize how much I actually sweat. Ex- yeah, it but would, like, what does it do to a football player? Yeah, I mean, I think they have a lot of people on the sideline that are keeping them warm. They have uh-huh. coats. I'm sure they have like hot hair circulating through, like helmets. Uh, I don't. I mean, I have yeah. no idea, but I'm sure they probably have some technology. Yes, but it still would be a shock to the system and the exertion. I mean, they're in peak physical, they're peak physical specimens. So like if a, you know, 50 year old overweight guy can shovel his driveway (laughs) when it's like negative 10 in Wisconsin, you would think that like an athlete could play a football game. We will play in the cold. Football is a cold weather sport. So I'm really excited about it. I wonder what's worse, like extreme heat or extreme cold? That's a great question. Because I feel like extreme heat might be worse. I think it is worse. I mean, people die of like, Sunstroke, yeah, yeah, more than like. Is there any cold stroke like right. a winter, exo- like <laughs> I mean, cold exhaustion, of, like hypothermia? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's the but like you don't hear that. No, as you often no, as you're as like you, I an, mean, people get hypothermia and die in like on Everest, yeah. like or in Antarctica if they like can't get back home. Right, but, you know, it's not like <laughs> that's not funny by the way, but no, I don't know why not, I'm but laughing. I, I mean, I honestly am like. I know people who have passed away from sunstroke. Mm. I've never known anyone to die from hypothermia. Right. So I'd imagine for the athlete, it's probably it's probably a little bit better. Yeah. And I'm sure it's kind of, I think psychologically it could be kind of cool. Yeah. It's like, look at us. We're so bad 
Beep. <laughs> but when you're dehydrated, well, they're they're not gonna be dehydrated. No, 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 no. As opposed to like the, the, the super. Oh, heat. oh like, you know what I mean. You have water boys, <laughs> girls. They have both. There's lack of water. <laughs> yeah, they don't get water. <laughs> extreme NFL. Extreme. It's crazy. I mean, uh, even I mean, for the fans, is that even safe? I mean, you would. It could be unsafe for sure. I think if you. I mean. If is you, there like a travel advisory to the playoff there, games? Well, I, there probably is some cold weather yeah, advisory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really out of my depth here. I'm sure, but like the so it, like I'm sure, children can children be I, out in no, negative li- five? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? No, but like, a, does a little kid need to go to a playoff game? Like, they, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> nah, like an true. infant when they have those like big yeah. headphones on, and you're like, well. Maybe you just couldn't find a sitter, but like that, the kid doesn't <laughs> need to know. be here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but there are a lot of tickets, especially like season ticket holders who have access to the playoff tickets first. They are like, apparently you can buy mini tickets. There are mini tickets available online. Mm. So one of the narratives is, oh, Chiefs fans, no one's mm. going to be there. But the other narrative is like rich snooty folks aren't going to go. Right. But now that there's more tickets that are going to be cheaper, you're going to get like the real diehard Missouri yeah, fan. Missouri. That doesn't I mean, unless care you get a the box. Gold. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that'd I would. Awesome. That'd be yes, awesome. That'd be, but then like, that would be optimal. Okay, I'm super, obviously super ignorant in all of the sports world. Um <clears throat> But it does beg the question, like, why don't they just make indoor stadiums? Well, th- what, what's the what's the downside of that? I don't. I mean, they do like right, cold like, weather like, cities, like sure. the Colts, like Minnesota. I or mean, even the Cowboys, they have an indoor stadium. Yeah, wait, but that's just because the Cowboys <laughs> want to spend money. <laughs> they have no need for it. Maybe the heat, but it, they do play in the fall primarily. So I think that's just like a money thing. It is expensive, and uh, older stadiums don't have them. But is there a preference of like I don't want to play indoor, I want to play outdoor? Well, it does affect like so. Like I, I'm shockingly, I've never played football, but like indoor. Indoor stadiums, I think, I could be conflating this with baseball, but I'm pretty sure, like, it's easier on the offense if it's indoor, and I don't know if that's true at all, so I might want to strike that from the record. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I have some, in my mind, it's like, if you're in a dome, like, it's easier to throw the ball, which maybe it's because, like, the elements are controlled. It's not like the wind or sort of whatever kind of makes the ball go, slows the ball down, and so I think in that sense it would be good. Like, in baseball, I think... Are there domes in baseball? I'm pretty sure there yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. I think it does. Like, it, it, so it helps the offense probably harder on the defense. But I don't know. The Chiefs have considered it, but they would have to redo. Like, they would have they to, would to redo. It yeah. would cost a lot of money. But for sure, some people I think like it. It's like you know, you've we've all seen the clips of like football games in the snow. Yeah. When the players are in the snow and yeah. the field is white. I mean, that's kind of iconically football. So I don't know if there's any preference for the sake of like we're tough. Yeah. We don't need no dome, right. and it doesn't get that cold in Kansas City typically. So yeah, yeah. I I mean, this weekend is probably just, it's so unique. It's like, an aberration. I mean, yeah, they've yeah, never yeah. had a game this cold. Wow, that's crazy, though. Yeah, it's cool. I'm it's so going to be fun. I'm very excited. Well, today we are going to talk about the incarnation. Yes. Um, and just the importance of the incarnation. What does the incarnation mean for us? Yeah. So, kind of a cool segue. I mean, we're all talking about... Talking about bodies. Body. Football bodies. <laughs> the limits of the, the platonic, body. Platonic ideal of a body is probably like a ripped... <laughs> Wide receiver, honestly. <laughs> so it's like if we're talking about <laughs> incarnational realities, like, oh, that's what a, <laughs> the ideal 
human male form Here's is the ideal honestly body. like if you see like dk metcalf it's like oh it, 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 <laughs> oh sure yeah, yeah, yeah i mean they're kind of like the platonic ideal of so bodies i mean it, and imagine the amount of work that goes into that yeah oh that it's a, and discipline yes. like almost kind of like it's insane. their job <laughs> it's almost like it's their job <laughs> no but kind of insane it is I mean, yeah it, they, i mean know? they cultivate those bodies and even like offensive linemen we will get to the actual and the, incarnation and, and the psychology that goes yes. into that like the mind but focus it's like i bring up the o-line because they're usually like a little heavier so you could see an o-lineman and be like oh my gosh like they're a little overweight no they have to be substantial because they are the ones that are like trying to stop these big d-linemen yeah. or linebackers from hitting the quarterback so that takes the same lot of, amount of discipline. They yeah. just work out differently because they have to like keep the weight and they're yeah. so strong. And so all of them are like athletes in that sense are so I'm impressed by athletes because it takes a discipline mm -hmm. and you have to have a certain insight into the human body. I know they have a lot of people helping oh, them, sure, but like, like the best athletes are all freak athletes and then insanely disciplined, which is, I mean, that's great. Like that you have great. the natural talent, like yeah. you have something that no, most people don't have. There's natural virtue. Oh yeah. It. And then yeah. you have to sort of then use like discipline and self-control to like master it. So it's very impressive to me. I mean, I, when, whenever I think of that, and we'll get to the incarnation, but I just have one more thing to say. Um, in terms of like diet. Oh yeah. I can't imagine not being able to eat. You, yeah like, and you like some athletes are freaks so tom brady is notorious for like eating lettuce and carrots and uh -huh. he wants to live forever uh -huh. and so he doesn't eat anything but then there's like basketball players or or like famous for like eating skittles on the sideline so yeah. I, I think food is a huge part of it <laughs> as well but i think that's probably the one that I, there's a little bit of room for yeah. you know and like patrick mahomes sometimes looks really cut and you're like mm. wow he slimmed down and sometimes it's like oh you drink a lot of like bud lights or like coors lights <laughs> coors light oh uh, you know so it's like i think it's a, that would be the discipline that probably <laughs> would be the fluctuate the most i, I think imagine. he likes coors light yeah oh yeah <laughs> i think he likes to down him which hey good for him hey that's why not football player of all time maybe Go for it, brother okay so the incarnation what does it mean for us and and, and just the import of the incarnation obviously we just finished this christmas season yes. and it's the celebration of the incarnation god in the flesh that's basically what incarnation means god assumed a human nature to redeem us in ours and so what does it mean for you katie like what what do you think about when you think of the incarnation I think of a lot of things when I think of incarnation, but I think there's something astounding in the fact that God became man, that the creator stepped into his creation mm. and now looks like us mm -hmm. on some deep essential level. It does. It's, a humble sacrifice of the Lord, but also is such a gift to us so that this human body at like the simplest level, like this human body is important because I, I look like Jesus in this human form. And with Jesus, he's, he's other than like, he's, he's the second member of the Trinity. And so to be able to be like, oh, but I can actually conceptualize of him because I also have this human form. I just think it gives us a dignity that's so simple to grasp. It's yeah. like, oh, I, this form is similar to what Jesus looked like when he was on earth, what he looks like now, what he will look like when he comes back. So I think there's something kind of mm. awe-inspiring about that this body 
matters yeah. and that he kept his human form when he ascended into heaven. I like always struck me. I never really thought about that. Like, of course I knew about the incarnation I've been a Christian for my entire life. But the fact that it wasn't like, Oh, okay. I was the human. I could redeem humanity when I came down and as a baby. And then once I was resurrected, I'll go back to heaven. And I'll rid myself of this fleshly mm-hmm. cage. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh no, he retains it. And he sort of, has that glorified body that we too will have when yeah. we're when he comes again. So like we're bodied now when we're bodied when he comes back to, you know, claim his people for himself. So I think it's just the body matters so yeah. much. The incarnation right. is what makes it matter beyond even the Imago Day. So I, I always like incarnation Imago Day are related to me. It's kind of I don't know if I'm smart enough to really extrapolate, you know, the Imago mm-hmm. day to the incarnation, but I think obviously being created male and female in the image of God, Genesis one is beautiful. And the incarnation just redeems and confirms yeah. the purpose of the Imago day. So I also see those things as very much linked yeah. in my mind. And I think too, like for, for us to start with the incarnation this year I think it's appropriate because in our culture there is such a disregard for the body or yes. there's like these 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 um, extremes in regards to the body. Either I'm totally separate from my body, I'm not at home in my body or, you know, my body is, is uh, whatever my body, uh, you know, uh, reacts to arousally is who I am. Yeah. Like all of these things in which we misinterpret what the body is and the import of it. And I think what the incarnation does for me is that it, it grounds it in Jesus. So in that he assumed a body, he came to redeem us in our bodies and our bodies matter. So yeah, I appreciate that, that Jesus is, is a sexual being, Yeah, you know, he has a body, he has uh, a gendered sexuality. He's, he's a man and in his humanity, he redeems both men and women. Yes. And what I like, too, is I was thinking about this on my own, and then I Googled it, and, like, I had a thought that St. Thomas Aquinas had, so I felt like oh, a genius. Nice. Yeah, I'm like, wow, am I am I kind of the female <laughs> Aquinas? No, but something about Mary. So Mary, mm. in her body, her able to receive and bear and bring into the world the God-man is so redemptive of the female body. Mm. Like that it, there's something so powerful and essential and ennobling about Mary's ability to receive and bring forth life, which for women is so uniquely powerful because Jesus' body is male. So that has, of course, implications for me as right. a bodied person, even though I'm <clears throat> female. The incarnation is so important for me. But as a woman, there's something so special about how the incarnation and how it came about because... I mean, Jesus didn't have to be born a woman. He could have, he's God. He could yeah. have come out of, you know, he could have just appeared. He could have come as a man. But the fact that he came of infant, of woman, is so wow. ennobling for women. That's what Aquinas said. It, it ennobled both the male and the female body yeah. beyond kind of comprehension. So for me as a woman, even though I don't have kids, it's not like, oh, and as a mother of seven, I totally relate to yeah. it. But I receive things. I bring life out of my deep reception and contemplation of things. And so the incarnation being brought by female body is also so powerful. So I think it that really causes you to honor your body mm. and its purposes you were designed to be in your male form in my female form. It, it, it makes it sacred. Yeah. It's not something that I can just 
wish away or mm-hmm. <laughs> surgically right. move or take, you know, birth control because I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And right. so I want, you know, I want to separate my body from procreation where the incarnation is like, no, this is like wow. what it's for. And yeah. so I just thought that like, I never really thought about the incarnation in Mary, but in thinking about this podcast, I was like, man, that's so beautiful. Wow. Women are so powerful in our female form and what that represents, right? What the physical reveals about us also internally. And it seems like it reflects to that Imago Dei reality. Absolutely. You know, Jesus as the new Adam, Mary as the new Eve. Yeah. You know, they sort of redeem that. Exactly. Seminal. Yeah. So you, yeah. And you need to have both the Imago Dei and the incarnation like together. It, yeah. It does create such a powerful anthropology for believers. And mm-hmm. we would say for all humans that some of these issues that are circulating today about, yeah. you know, same sex attraction or being transgender. It's like, I, I, it seems untenable in a Christian worldview to believe in the incarnation and the Imago mm-hmm. Dei and then hold all these other beliefs to be true. There's yeah. something so essential about both of these things that, our mysteries and we do well by just being like, Oh, that's so true right. and mysterious. And I will let that truth guide how I am yeah. as this bodied person in yeah. 2024. Now, when we look at the mystery of the incarnation, it's pretty, pretty grand and pretty big. And, and some people would maybe say inaccessible, but I think the power of the mystery is that it is so accessible. It, yeah. You know, yeah, like exactly. Jesus is, is an accessible person. Yes. Divine person, human nature. And someone who's really helped me through this is Leanne Payne. Okay, yeah. Leanne Payne really um, had a, a focus on what she would call the real presence, you know, like practicing the presence, practicing the like the capital P presence of Jesus. Now, of course, Catholic, Anglican, um, Protestant, or whatever you are, like that, that maybe means something different for yeah. you. But what I liked about Leanne Payne is that it's so accessible either as a Catholic or an evangelical, because you're, what, what she says is, and as a, as a guy who comes out of same-sex attraction, there's like a, at times a feeling separate from my identity or, mm. or I'm tempted to sort of grasp after my own when in fact I have everything that I'm trying to grasp. So what am I, what am I, what am I striving after? You know, mm. and there, there's, there's some sort of split or a gap that I'm experiencing in those moments of heightened homosexual temptation or heightened homosexual attraction. And so what Leanne Payne um, really urges us to do is to practice the presence. And what Mm -hmm. does that mean? It's like actually practicing incarnate Jesus being, being in us, like almost me aspiring to, to become more like him. Cause like you said, we, we look like him. You know what I mean? And we can do that in a mystical way. Yes. You know, like, come Lord Jesus, like help me to be centered, like divine. She's known for divine objectivity. Like I am a man. I am a woman. I, I can, I, I, I can do this. Like, Lord, you are living in and through me and through your incarnation. I can rise to, to really take the narrow way through this experience that, is tempting me to go sideways in my reality. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. And I completely relate to that, not with same sex attraction, but you know, for me, my story, and I think for a lot of women, women and sort of the nature of the, the fall being sort of beholden to this man is that like, I, my tendency would be to hate my body. It, it's not to eroticize 
other women's bodies so much. I mean, maybe in a little bit because like, oh, in comparison, but just like, oh, my body's ugly. It doesn't measure up. So whatever standard of beauty that exists, I am not that. And your body becomes the most sort of obvious, like, like humiliating, like, like costume. It's like, Mm. I'm wearing my humiliation when I feel like my body is, is too big or not sort of what it should be. And it's awful. And so then you're like, I hate this body. Mm. Like, so then it's like, Oh God, you know, the incarnation in the Mago day, when I hate my body, you, it can be very easy to dismiss the significance of both. And so practicing like divine objectivity, mm-hmm. being like, no, this body is beautiful and good and yeah. it reflects something unrepeatably about God's image, right? That's why right. John Paul II, the unrepeatable, I like that because it's like women, I mean, men too, but women fall more under this is the standard of beauty as opposed to no, this is an unrepeatable vision of God in my body. And so mine is like, I don't want to hate this body. So it's a little different in terms of what's the genesis of it, but it's the same, like, no, I'm a woman and this body is good and I can't divorce being woman from my body. So I, when I'm hating my body, I'm hating my femininity. So yeah, I think that's so helpful for, I mean, probably most people, (laughs) there's some rejection of this body and, and what it's made to be. So we would say for the other, right? Man for woman, woman for man. And so when that is astray, and for me, it was just not feeling accepted by men. And so part of that was like, well, my body, it's my body. That's why men don't like me. I mean, honestly, for a lot of women, it's like, oh, I'm not pretty enough. My body isn't attractive enough. That's why I'm not with the other or it doesn't Mm. last with the other. And so you hate your body. And the incarnation is like the best antidote for that. That's real body positivity. Not just like, oh, I'm beautiful no matter what. Sure. But it's like, no, this body matters. Like the divine took on human flesh and I'm going to have this body. It will be better or when when he comes back. But so for me, it's equally as helpful to be like, divine objectivity this body is good yeah and what i'm hearing in what you're saying is like appreciating the kind of man that i am the kind of woman that you are because we mirror jesus in a unique way that no one has or ever will again exactly and so i need to appreciate my particular humanity yeah and by projecting it in some way, is that a bit of a rejection of the Mago Day, a rejection right. of the incarnation? That no, Lord, but I don't. This body is bad right. and awful, and it's worldly thinking. We're yeah. being—that's <laughs> what it is. And that's the same with our sexuality. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm worldly. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm letting the world name my beauty or my sexuality, or I'm letting my brokenness name it, as opposed to no, this is the objective truth. Right. You're a woman, a good gift. You're beautiful because you reflect Him. I need to not be conformed to the world in my thinking. And so, yeah, I think it's really powerful to be objective and the truth of incarnation, the truth of the Imago Dei is how we can be objective. I love um, the Eucharist. I I just want to mention the Eucharist in regards to the incarnation because I think it gives the incarnation longevity in a way because you get to actually like receive the incarnate one. (laughs) And um, what I've been really thinking about recently is that I've been noticing in Catholic circles more people who are sort of claiming that Jesus can't necessarily heal certain aspects of our broken humanity, you know? Uh, and in a way, it, 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 I see it as putting a limit on the incarnation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, he can heal us from that, but not not homosexuality. Yeah, like what? Like he can't heal. 
There's no way he can heal homosexuality. Yeah, or, uh, and, you know, even more extreme, why would he? Or, yeah, exactly. It's not even broken. Yeah, like, it's not. That's broken. Really? <laughs> I'm just differently ordered. Yeah. Not disordered. And differently, I also mean kind of specially. Exactly. <laughs> I'm different and special. It seems like it, it's discounting the power of the incarnation. Absolutely. You know, it's putting a low ceiling on what Jesus, in fact, is in the business of exactly <laughs> like redeem. It's not that it's not that difficult. Yeah, you know. And so i I want us to in this year, um, especially as Katie and I are co directors of Living Waters USA. Katie's a new. She is director at large. I did get a promotion yesterday. yesterday. I'm uh-huh. the director at large, and people have to call me that. <laughs> kind of like you have to say father to a priest <laughs> or doctor. <laughs> your professor at college i'm the director uh, at large and i i don't know what that means and i don't think anyone does so it's even more powerful no it's it means it's like at large no it's like it, a criminal it, at large no I'm it's your director at large because you you have a you have a good creativity and you're able to to have your involvement in many things <laughs> my hands in a lot of different pots <laughs> no really. i'm a jack of all trade masters of none <laughs> no really katie's that. so talented that's why you're a director at large <laughs> katie yes. no but i we are now peers yes and he was my boss as of 24 <laughs> hours ago and i don't know if i ever really was like, i mean do you like, have big boss energy absolutely not <laughs> But was I ever like, I'm no. Katie's boss? No, I would say it as a, as a means of I like abdicating really responsibility. Like yeah, but it was a way of being like, oh, he's my boss. So, you know, the S word rolls uphill. So I'm like. <laughs> Not anymore. I know. Not I'm anymore. the one catching it. So I'm going to be a little more diligent in my duties. Oh, man. So I want to recommend this wonderful book. Yes. <clears throat> Rediscovering Our Lost Fullness. Uh, this book is amazing. It's am- amazing. So I was rereading a few chapters this morning just awesome. in preparation. Yeah. It is amazing. The chapter on chastity and then being mm. followed by community and then it's followed by how like this is in the theology of the body, how that relates, rediscovering our lost fullness in theology of the body. I literally got up, I was like reading it at 5 a.m. I was exhausted. 45 minutes later, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to stop reading it because I have to like get ready. It's so wow good yeah. and powerful like if you want to know about more about like what does it mean to be integrated or chase what does it mean to let the incarnation mm-hmm. order my sexuality by this yeah book? this this book is is really where it's at and I, I when i was uh paging through it i was struck by how how much he andrew um really explains the need to be responsible as an image bearer yes as someone who um is looks like jesus as a as an incarnate person you know we are body soul composite so is jesus and we may say oh my gosh these mysteries are so wonderful well you know what is amazing about these mysteries is that they're also demanding yes you know because we have a place as an image bearer we have a place as bodied creatures and he he helps us in this book to see well what is my responsibility as a man especially if you're struggling with same-sex attraction he gives a great nuance of okay i i take responsibility for the areas of my life where i am i am uh inclined to to lust disorderedly but that's not the end jesus has a has a vision for me and I have to take responsibility in that. And so in a way, Jesus rediscovers our lost fullness, 100% him, but also 100% you. And he 
I think he gives a lot of hopeful yeah, way, ways of looking at that. Really good. Great definitions of what is chastity. What does mm-hmm. it mean to be chaste? What does it mean to be disintegrated? There's all these terms that if you're in, you know, the DSM Living Waters world, you hear all the time. Yeah. But you might not know what it means. They're so helpful and yeah. it's so encouraging, but it really does kind of personalize his own story of becoming chaste and other people's stories of becoming chaste and how possible it is and how freeing chastity, as he says that in like chastity is the most freeing concept in the world. Yeah. It's not this heavy burden of, okay, well you're straight. You're right. actually yeah. straight. Yeah. Pray, right the gay. You're straight. <laughs> like that's how people sort of yeah. like, you know, make it like what we do seem like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's this heavy handed. You're putting these burdens on people as opposed to, how beautiful. Like yeah. I'm designed for the other. I'm designed to act and live the way I was created to right. act and live. There's right. not this split between what God created me to be, man for woman, woman for man. That's indisputable. That's just as one, right? right? You right. can't dispute that. So that's how we are. But the people are like, well, I just am not, I'm not attracted to the other. And so yeah. I kind of live in these celibate, same gender friendships, which to me, that's so burdensome. The f- truth of like, no, you're made for the other that right. may be marriage. I may not, but you're made for the other. You're responsible for the other. Yes. That's the truth. And yeah. that is as true for you as the result of the fall. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. we, we all know that the fall affected us. We inherited the sin of Adam and Eve of we're also inheriting the beauty of the Imago day and the innocence that, you know, original innocence that JP two talks about a lot. It's like, that's so freeing. Mm. So let's, yeah, we feel the fall, but let's feel like our inclination and our design for the other. That is true. Yeah. And chastity is aligning your own desires and practices into what is, we know to be true. To me, that's freeing. Yeah. And so I, there's freedom in this book. I, I was blown away by rereading it. I was like, this is so good. Yeah, it's I great. think it's a must read for anyone oh, for sure. who wants to maintain sort of a biblical anthropology. Yeah. So if you love John Paul II, if you hear gay Christianity and you're like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. There's something in that that makes me uncomfortable. I, I don't necessarily want to be a gay Christian or I don't maybe want to be supporting of gay Christendom because I don't know what that means. Buy this book. Yeah. Or, or I'm inclined to gay Christendom and exactly. I need to be challenged. Yes. You know, yeah. this is a real, it's a challenge of John Paul II which I think is in a way cutting edge, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's bringing in John Paul II's thought in in a way that is so apropos to those in the LGBT identification. So yeah. please get this. I feel like, I mean, it's not the theology of the body. I'm not <laughs> putting it on that level, but like theology of the body was a little ahead of its time. Yeah. So we're now reading it. What? 30 years later being yeah. like, Oh, this was made for us right yeah. now. Yeah. I feel like this book 20, 30 years later, people are gonna be like, of course. This is this is for me. Yeah, so I highly recommend it. And I just want to uh, say the endorsements that Andrew got. So if you're like, why should I get this book? Well, um, the forward is by, you may not know him, but he's a wonderful Dr. John Haas. He's a professor at St. Charles Seminary in Philadelphia. He's he's just an incredible, incredible thinker, philosopher, ethicist, and um, good friend of the late Pope Benedict. I mean, if you're a good friend of the late Pope Benedict. I, I love Pope yeah, Benedict. I, yeah, Katie's he's favorite my, Pope. He's my favorite saint, even though he's not officially been saint. Is he awesome? But he's my absolute favorite. I cannot wait. So like, sorry, <laughs> Protestants, but I cannot wait till I get to, <laughs> I prayed him now, but like when I want to get to heaven, of course I want to see Jesus, of course. And then yeah, I want to worship Pope Jesus Benedict. with Pope Benedict. Yeah. I want to be like, I love him. <laughs> he's awesome. He's my favorite Pope. He is awesome. So we got uh, Dr. Christopher West. Um, we also have, Dr. Ann Nolte. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Who's a great friend of Desert Stream. 
Um, we also have Dr. Bob Schutz, Sister Bethany Madonna. Um, we also have some wonderful evangelicals. So we have Ann Polk, who's the, the founder director of Restored Hope Network. We have Jimmy Seibert, who's the founder of the Antioch Ministries International. We have Carol Wimber, um, the wife of John Wimber, wow. who was really pivotal in the Vineyard Movement. And then, of course, lastly, we have Father Paul Check, who's a Catholic, not evangelical, <laughs> but he's a, he's the executive director of the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, just a great, he's just one of the greatest priests. He's amazing. So this is this book has been endorsed not only by Katie and I, so if you don't trust us, we Which, totally understand. Fair enough, but more but bona fides. Th- there is the, these people are trustworthy. Yes. So get this book today. I'll put the link in the notes. Yes. Well, Katie, this was great. So yes. like encouraging. Yeah. It's really good to just think. Have a conversation with your friends about this. Yeah. Honestly, it makes you, whatever your tendency is and the rejection or maybe over sexualization of the body talk to someone about what it means yeah and you're kind of centered it, you, you revere it in a way that you're not prone to reject it or sexualize it it's just like good reminder yeah so have a conversation grab a cup of coffee and have a conversation grab a cup of coffee and just snuggle in and have yeah. a conversation about talk the about it. grab a cup of coffee and talk about it go chiefs